If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for a van to come. Oh, friend, have you seen where my golden tickets be? Welcome back to Fast Forward. Now, the whole point of this podcast is to give honest, open accounts of what it's like to start and run a business and to do that from a founder's perspective. Every business journey has its challenges. And in the case of the story we're about to hear today, the biggest challenges have shaped the business for good. This is a startup story of two founders who have used their experiences of suffering serious health challenges and turned that to help others. Fresh R&B is a social enterprise which raises awareness of marginalised health conditions through the power of video production and the Silent Elephant Project. It's been supported through startup loans, through grants and has just launched a crowdfunding campaign. To find out more about their story and the process of building a social enterprise, I'm joined today by the founders, Mr. Babs and Kontwani. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. Um, When I first met you um, earlier this week, I immediately felt that this was a story that was really important to share. Um, and I think that's what we're going to do is take take the, take the you guys through your journey and share that with listeners so that they can take some some really key takeaways on that from, from the conversation. So let's start with you, Mr. Babs. Um, what has led you to start the Silent Elephant Project? You were been to university, you were embarking on a career of marketing agency sort of masterdom. Yep. Um, and then something caused that all to change. What was it? Yeah, so in 2009, uh, my final year at University of Liverpool, I was diagnosed with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of cancer. And um, when I got diagnosed with cancer, it just completely shocked me. Like It's it's something that you don't expect to happen to you, at, especially at a young age. Mm. Um, what age were you, 19? I was, yeah, about 20. 20. 20. I was about 20, yeah. Um, and then obviously my official diagnosis. So I noticed symptoms around 20, but my official diagnosis, it was so weird, but my official diagno- diagnosis was on my birthday, my 21st birthday. What a sh- so, beep yeah, birthday. Yeah, that's right. It was on the 20, 20, 23rd of December, 2009. And obviously that's, that's my and birthday. And Christmas. Yes. It literally just changed my whole life. It, mm. I, I felt like that was, I was like, what a way to enter adulthood. It was yeah. just like, Okay, now this is this is my life, and um, but I knew nothing about cancer. You know, I knew nothing about um, it affecting young people, and and obviously when I got diagnosed with this condition, it was like, is this is this really happening? Is this true? What is it about? But but it kind of changed my whole life, and it changed everything. It really did. It really did. 
And so how did that experience sort of shift your perspective? Because you still went on into the um, the agency land because you, yeah. were, you, you were just about to graduate. You were in your halfway through your final year when you got your diagnosis. Yeah. How did you get through those final six months actually out of interest? Because even fully with full health, going through dissertation and yeah. finals, that's that's an incredibly stressful time anyway. How did you manage to do to do that or how did you cope? Yeah, um, so I was I was kind of um, supported by this this charity who were like you know an amazing 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 charity called Click Sergeant, mm-hmm. and so when I got diagnosed with cancer, um, it was a case of going through um, loads of different like checks, you know, CAT, CAT scans and whatnot, and and then eventually got to the point whereby I started my chemo. But when I started my chemo, I was advised to drop out of university, but I didn't want to. You know, I, I felt like I, I'm in my final year. I really mm-hmm. just want to just get over the line, really. And so, in a sense, I kind of only did two years of uni because I didn't do my final year exams. I just graduated with mitigating circumstances in um, with a with a two two. <laughs> <laughs> it's Which still is, it's still a graduation. It's still a graduation, you know. Um, but I was I was, it was they were really they were really supportive. The university really supported. Mm-hmm. So they said, do what you can do. Um, yeah. And I did some of the coursework I could do from home. So, yeah. but but in all honesty being frank I didn't really do much because I was kind of still trying to figure out what my life would be like and you're so ill Kenya yeah. makes you so ill exactly so I was bedridden well for the last for six months into my final year mm-hmm. the last six months of my final year so I was kind of like I'm caught with doing a chemo and if you know how chemo works really it's kind of um, it takes it out of you so you completely your white blood cells are completely gone and you're just in, in, in house just kind of making sure that you're not you're, you're able to take off to the next day. Mm-hmm. And um, the moment you start to recover from the first session, you get hit with another one. Yeah, so I was, it was like I went through six chemo sessions in, in an intense period. So it was, and they said I was young, so they wanted to bash me with everything. Okay. But well, that's of, what sometimes you got to do. You got to do. And um, so that's how I kind of made it through the final year, really. And how did that um, whole experience sort of shift your perspective on life? Because up until that point, you know, you're, you know, like any kid teenager you're just you know life's everything's in front of you yeah um it it did shape it did shape me perfectly because it got me to to think about how finite life is in itself and what the purpose of being on earth is really and it's what 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 i was able to think about was i want to be able to give back if i have life ever in my bones Mm -hmm. um so I kind of um, when I when I saw this charity called Click Sergeant and the way they were supporting me, I said, "This is what I want to do." You know, mm-hmm. I I want to be able to be um, to 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 support people who are going through um, sort of like challenging conditions or challenging um, life 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 limiting conditions, really. And but prior to being diagnosed with cancer, I was in um, I was in an internship project um, at the BBC, so I knew I was passionate about media. I was passionate about video production. I was passionate about radio. I was passionate about anything that has to do with sort of um, getting a message out. But then on the same hand, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I kind of figured this was probably kind of my calling now. Mm. It was like, okay, now I've been given a credential, as I call it, a credential to be able to go out and say, okay, I've actually gone through something that was, that could take me out, you know. And I know people who have responded differently with um, a condition like mine, you know, and but when I got diagnosed with my condition, I knew that okay, the kind of person that I was, I was always like a go getter, and that has never changed. It's just, <laughs> no, it really hasn't. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't really changed. You, I mean, we'll talk about yeah. how you, why you ended up here in yeah. Tuesday in a minute, but yeah, that definitely hasn't yeah, changed. Hasn't changed, and so it yeah. kind of changed my perspective. And I just knew from there, I knew that if I got out of this, um, so like um, got out of this condition with full with being yeah. full remission, like, I knew that this was what I was. God, if go I for. survive this. 
go and do this. That's right. And you became an ambassador for Click Sergeant, didn't yeah. you? So that was your kind of first step into it. That's definitely my first step. So when I when I when I got when I came out of, of chemo, even whilst I was going through chemo, I was already talking about how amazing Click, Click Sergeant were about. And then eventually became an ambassador, became a, a volunteer, um uh what's it called? A volunteer supervisor. I don't know what kind of yeah. role they've given me, but it's kind of a, a volunteer supervisor which helps out in all the other um, events that they do or mm-hmm. all the other workshops. Like a coordinator. So like a coordinator and stuff like that. So I've been speaking about stuff they've done in Manchester. I spoke at the, um, what was it, the Bridgewater Hall? Yeah, the Christmas The Christmas do at the Bridgewater yeah. Hall to help um, raise some funds for them as well. So, And they came up and said, oh, the bucket was overflowing. And I was like, great stuff. I spoke yeah. well, so it was good. So, Kandwani, um, yeah. let's bring you into the story because um, you have your own personal journey. Um, <laughs> you guys obviously met under very interesting circumstances, but also under your own serious health challenges. Um, tell us a bit about how you guys met. Where were you at with your life at that stage and what inspired you to like get involved? Right, where do I start? Um, mm. I met Babs through a common friend because we were sharing a flat mm-hmm. um, with him. And um, that was in 2014. Yeah. I got introduced to Babs. But before I get into details, um, before that, um, I was uh, at a University of Leeds studying master, uh, master's in chemical engineering. That's the program I was on. Mm-hmm. And I got really, really ill in my, when I was just starting out my third year. So then I had to obviously stop university and focus on my recovery. But then I never really fully recovered from that. And throughout the process, discovering what it was, it's one of those things where they couldn't find exactly what it is. And unfortunately, it later turns out I suffer from ME or myalgic encephalomyelitis, also known as chronic fatigue syndrome. And so that meant um, I couldn't function as I used to be before. So basically, um, for those that don't know, it's going through symptoms such as muscle pain, joint pain, neuropathic pain, obviously, uh, lots of brain fog, always tired, very, very weak. Um, just That's just to mention a few of the mm-hmm. symptoms. So then... I was bedridden and then eventually through the slow process of recovery, I was housebound and that's when I met Babs and I was very desperate in a sense to find a way out of the, what I would call prison within myself. Mm. And so through that, I was experimenting with basically what else can I do? And then being creative turned out to be the way to unlocking that, that path. And that was when I started the journey with Babs and um, yeah, that's how I met Babs. <laughs> <laughs> So at that time, Babs, you were still working in the agencies. Is that right? Well, at but, the point when I met Kondwani, I was yeah. full-fledged 100% in my business. Okay. So I started Fresh RB. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about Fresh RB. You launched that in 2013. What was your vision for it? So when I launched Fresh RB, I knew I wanted to use video production for good. That was it. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was as simple as using video production for good. It was like, okay, I'm going to film stuff. And the money I make from filming stuff, I'm going to use it to do good. Yeah. Now, what the good... Simple equation. Simple equation. (laughs) But it gets complicated. (laughs) But it was like, um, when I got, when I started a business, I I knew that it started off as a YouTube channel, actually. It started off as a YouTube channel. So it started off as um, using video production to sort of like interview all these up-and-coming artists and and use that. And we wanted to use that platform to build an audience and stuff. Sure. 
And um, but I was still working at uh, the digital marketing agency I was working at. Um, you knew the digital marketing agency is mm-hmm. working at the, at, at the E-word at the point. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know if you could say that. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Hi, Daniel. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and to be honest, they did champion me on, on, on what I was doing Fresh RB. So they, mm-hmm. they did understand, they knew what I was doing and they were like, oh, go on, you know, do your, do your thing and stuff. So, when I when I set up the company, it was doing filming stuff, kind of filming events, um, filming all sorts of stuff, events, weddings, yeah, whatever it took, whatever, you know. whatever, whatever. Yeah. You've got to do, you know, yeah. you're hustling. Exactly, hustling. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then I knew that okay, when I make the, enough money, the, the, the idea was that I'm gonna film stuff for like ten years, <laughs> <laughs> and then when I have enough money, I'm just gonna go back and start yeah. giving back to the community and stuff and like that. But but then I realized. I can't wait till then because I was itching to do good. Yeah. That's how I felt. I felt like I was itching to give back. And I knew that if I went You weren't being true to your exactly. own self. Yeah. And so, um, and then I then I went for a business loan um, and um, gave me the confidence to quit my job. So um, just before we go on, just talk about that business loan for a sec- second because you actually were, you went through um, the startup loans yes, um, process. Yeah. Um, talk to us about that because that is something that comes up on and off with um, the different entrepreneurs that I talk to. Yeah. And they shy away from it because they're fearful of the implications of it. Not dissimilar to being fearful to sort of other kind of loans and stuff that you can have. But they're, they're, it's the personal guarantee piece, I think, that really yeah. scares them. But um, talk, to you about, uh, talk to us about your experience there and how that has supported you and how that's helped you kind of given you the springboard. Yeah. Yeah. I think what the was first, the process like? Yeah, I was going to say, the first thing is the process of getting the business loan. I think putting a business plan together. So I put a business plan together. I mean, obviously, I did business communications and I did marketing. Mm. So I'm used to that kind of lingo and putting things together like that. And obviously, I did a lot of reporting before. So I kind of knew how to put things together and have, a, have an idea and have a plan. So putting a business plan together allowed me to sort of spill my mind on paper. But then using that as an application, it allows you to build the confidence to see if this is a viable business or not. So yeah. obviously the whole process of doing an application for a business loan, which you have to do financial forecasts, you got to do all these different things, putting your CV together, putting a personal statement together. These things allowed you to sort of articulate what you're trying to do. You know, what are you trying to do really? Is it really a business? And have those people who who have seen businesses day in, day out, see if it's a business idea. And when I got um, accepted for a business loan, the first thing it did was boost my confidence. It was boost my confidence that this is actually a business. Um, and I think that's something every startup needs. Like they need that confidence to know that this yeah. is actually a business. Someone else that believes Somebody in else it. Believes Other than it. you. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody else believes in the fact that it's an actual business. The number two, I think it was, it was 10 grand paying back in two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I can't pay back 10 grand in two years, what am I doing? It's, it's a hobby then. It's not really. And I think it's that kind of accountability yeah. as well. So um, Belief in yourself. Belief in yourself. Yeah. I figured that if I couldn't pay 10 grand in two years, yeah. it, then it's not a business. It's, it's just me just trying to mess about and pick up the well, camera. And still doing fun. good, but maybe still not doing a business. Good, not a business, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And maybe not a business. I think that's the key thing is that this is a tech for good business, yes. not yeah. just doing good exactly. and it's about making money which you can reinvest into making an impact 100% yeah 100% yeah so yeah that's that's kind of the two basic pillars I think I think it gives you that confidence number one yeah. and number two it gives you that accountability to really know that you're actually trying to make this a business and it, I wasn't a sole trader for a reason because I, I believed in growing a company so it wasn't about me trying to just 
put bread on my table, mm-hmm. but it was about me trying to actually put bread on other people's tables. So that yeah. Was, that's kind of what it was. And you started as a limited company, but there, you got some help from startup loans outside yeah. of the money. It wasn't just about the money, was it? No, it wasn't just about the money. We had business mentors, you had business events, you had business exhibitions, mm-hmm. you had a lot of marketing, you had a lot of peers who were startups as well. So yeah. there was so much that came with the whole package. And when I had a business mentor, she... I spoke to her like just on a one-to-one basis. Like, you you want know, to shout her out? Yeah, Karen has been amazing to me. Karen was really, really supportive of me. I ended up doing uh, having some contracts with her as well. So I started working up with her as well, um, doing her digital PR and stuff. So that was quite cool. Um, but she, she, she spoke to me and obviously unpacked my brain about what I wanted to do. And she believed that becoming a CIC was kind of what I was trying to achieve with my business. Um, that's uh, and being a CIC means you give back like uh, I think about sixty-five percent minimum of your profits back into what you're trying to do which is the community good and i believe creating a structure like that would enable me to grow with accountability saying not going back on my word which is trying to give back so Mm. i knew that if i grew the company you could get to the point whereby i was like okay i'm giving back 65 percent of the profits that's the structure so let's do that yeah and kandwana you you're involved in the business at this stage um what was it like to be through going through that transition from you know from just obviously the two of you <laughs> to then getting, you know, funding and getting bet mentors and changing the structure of the business. It must have been an interesting time. Very exciting. I mean, um, for me personally, it was the fact that I was very hungry to be of positive impact to society because that's a, that's one of my deepest passions, really. Mm-hmm. And so embarking on a journey with Babs, knowing that we're doing it for good mm-hmm. and in changing the structure in itself, keeping us accountable and, as you mentioned, growing the company helping and employing and empowering others, really. And yet having that structure in place to give back and reinvest all the efforts and the revenues we may generate and the impact that we give back into the the, the work in itself, yeah. that was exciting. And it's actually had a therapeutic effect on you personally, Absolutely. the whole process. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, first and foremost, um, it's in having a goal of wanting where you want to be. So for me suffering from a life-limiting condition, I knew that there was no cure to start off with. There's no cure for this uh, condition. And um, it's a it's very limiting day-to-day, so every day is different. And today as we're speaking right now, I'm, I'm kind of struggling a little bit, but I'll get through it. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that I, I was trying to get better, but not in finding the cure within myself, but knowing that this can be a lifelong forever, basically, um, I had to find a way of still enjoying my life. And so to not worry a lot about what I'm going through and, you know, the pain and just the whole full package of what the condition is like in itself, being creative and finding a way of just unlocking and like, you know, making a, being a positive impact in a way that was just my everyday like goal. And just, yeah. so I, I took every day as it came and then slowly and surely, um, we're able to even like find a therapeutic process. (laughs) Forgive me. Yeah, so it was very therapeutic in the sense going through that journey in itself. Yeah, and you've gone from not being able to leave the house at all. I've been from not being able to leave the house to being able to leave the house. I mean, I'm not fully recovered, but at least it's something for me to come out and be of positive impact and just keep going each and every day. I think it's a really powerful um, Mm, story. So you've had fresh at RB. Mm-hmm. And you said, got your funding, yeah. um, but that wasn't enough, was it? <laughs> Not at all, man. Not at all. So what happened next? So off the back of, you know, getting the, the business loan, um, then of course we kept on 
just doing business as usual. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously when we switched into becoming a CIC, we kind of figured that, okay, we need to now have something substantial in terms of creating something that that kind of has a, like, that's what a silent project is. It's like, it's mm -hmm. a package for what we are about. So let's talk about the silent project. What is it? You launched it in 2017. Yes. Yep. Tell us a bit about it and what it's aiming to do. So the, the Silent Elephant Project, the aim of it is to investigate, research, and also ensure that you are raising the awareness of marginalized health conditions like ours. Mm -hmm. But the twist and the spin to it is that we use university students and school students and we co-produce short films. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> nice. Um, and so that was not really part of the original business plan. Not um, at all. So you had to find another source of funding. Yeah. Uh, how did you go about doing that? Because so, you're very creative, <laughs> <laughs> which has led to some of your interests. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we con we considered ourselves a restart of 2017. Yeah. So like, like it, it was <laughs> the restarters. So literally, it, it, at this point, because we've been, you know, you remember the, the strategy I told you before is film stuff, mm -hmm. and then use the use money we use from filming yeah. stuff to give back. We decided to spin it around to say we're gonna film stuff that uses that actually gives back on its own. So it's mm -hmm. like the whole structure of the company changed because we were now focused more on actually using the doing good part mm -hmm. as the business. As the business. Okay. So selling the doing good. Nice. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the way. Get doing good to pay. So good. that's what the Silent Elephant Project was, and it was initially we started off being big lottery funded. Um, to um that's so that's a grant so we yeah. got a grant because of become, where did you find that grant though because uh, i think that's important for because we have a lot of social enterprises M manchester is very well yeah. rec recognized for being a very strong sort of um civic led kind of city and there is a lot of tech for good social enterprises out there who are always looking for help so yeah. what where did you find yours and could could they find the same 100%. They can find it on Funding Central. So there's a website called fundingcentral.co.uk or .com. I can't remember, actually. I think it's the .co.uk. It's called yeah. .co.uk. And it's, um, it's, it's actually a free subscription for any company that has under 10 employees or a certain amount of income, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not just going to yeah. Yeah, get it wrong here. But, but it is free. So we are still on that free thing because we are not yeah. up to 10 full-time employees yeah. um, as a company. But you can get it for free. You sign up to it. You subscribe to it. And it constantly sends you, probably on a weekly basis, all the funds you can apply for. So that is actually... Is that like based reasons. on a profile that you fill Literally. in? Literally. Nice. Yeah. 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 Based on the profile you fill in, based on the the, the societies you're trying to um, sort of like um, empower and the communities you're trying to impact and what you're doing, they tailor make or they tailor the subscription um, sort of emails to you and tell mm -hmm. you what is in you can apply for. Yeah. So a great source of um, of, of uh, information. Yeah. And so you ended up finding one through that? Yeah, yeah. So that was where we got the big lottery funding. So one of it was advertised on there and we thought, okay, let's apply for this. Yeah. Um, and then when we applied for it, we, you know, it was it was kind of interesting because... What's it, the application process like for this? It's actually, it's pretty, it's, it, I, would, I would like to think, because I've applied for a lot of grants, I'll say it's pretty straightforward, but it's also quite lengthy as well. Mm. It's yeah. length. All these applications are lengthy, yeah. you know, and that's the thing about it. This is kind of, let's be honest, it's grant money. So it's money you don't pay back. Yeah. And it's money that is so for You have to good, show value. But you have to show yeah. value. You have to show the impact. You have to show what you're trying to achieve. And, um, but it was, it was kind of, um, it was, it was quite lengthy, but it was, it was also kind of the first application I officially made and I got it. But that's completely not the reflection of what the crop market is like. 
So mm-hmm. I thought it was like, oh. And you've it, been through business plans. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, where do I start? <laughs> where do I start? So it, it was the yeah. first, but it wasn't the first. <laughs> no, it was the first, but it wasn't the first. So it was like the first that I got, but then after that, probably had 50 rejected. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just kind of that, you know, whether you're doing this for good or you're yeah. in, you know, you're yeah. a startup just trying to get your business off the ground. It's that yeah. resilience, isn't it? That you have to really believe and be mm-hmm. passionate about what you're doing to keep going when all the doors are being closed until 100%. one opens. 100%. Um, now, you've worked with, as a result of all the funding yeah. and um, the work that you've done with Fresh RB and, and the Senate uh, Elephant Project, you've worked with some really interesting names. So yeah. the Co-op Foundation, yeah. Manchester City Council, yeah. um, quite a few schools, which yeah. you'll talk about, I'm yeah. sure, in a second. The University of Manchester and Man Met University. Yeah. Um, all through the power of PR and, in fact, your own yeah. PR. And I think this is such an interesting how it's all come about. Can you tell us a bit about how each of those things evolved and how one, they kind of all rolled. One they kind of rolled. They did. Yeah. They did roll. Um, so the first thing, obviously, was first of all doing the first one, which is the Miscarriage Association um, on Raising the Awareness of Miscarriage, yeah. which was the last short film we did. Was that the first one that you did with the Seven Elephant fir- Project? Yes, that was yeah. the first we did. So that was okay. called Taylor's Shadow. So tell us about specifically that. Yeah. So this one was um, off the back of my wife now talking about a friend who suffered a miscarriage again. Mm-hmm. So when she said, oh, my friend suffered a miscarriage again, I thought to myself, miscarriage is that common? Does it happen? And then we realized that one in four pregnancies actually end in miscarriages. And about, say about 80% of the miscarriages happen in the first 12 weeks, mm-hmm. which was kind of crazy. Yeah. And I was like, people don't know about this stuff. And so I decided to actually use this, funding that we got to make a short film about that. So we got people from the community, we got real actors to put in place. And it was kind of interesting when we put this together, we made a short film, Raising the Awareness of Miscarriage. Then we did a screening at a community cinema in Moston. And when we did that cinema, that, that screening, that was when the word started to get out. So when we invited people, it was a 70-seater sellout on Eventbrite, we never thought we were going to do that. We nope. just said, let's put on Eventbrite and sell see, tickets see and see what yeah. happens. And then eventually what happened was the tickets went out. Like in the first, like we, we put it out for like three weeks. It went out in the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was, and people were like, oh, are you doing another screen? And we're like, we didn't even expect <laughs> this one to sell out, but fair play. Like, you know, but we didn't do another screen. We just did that one screen. Mm-hmm. And when we did that, um, the word got out. People told us about where we could go next. And so we started to sniff around where we could go next. So people mm. were like, you can actually take this into schools. Because the initial thing was just to do things with young people, making short films with young yeah. people, raising the awareness of miscarriage, or, or marginalized issues, sorry. Yeah. And then it was like, you can take this into schools. This can actually work for schools. And so we started to say, okay, let's see what schools will say about this. And um, then we started to create a package that worked around that. Then we went into an event. We spoke about it. The Co-op Foundation saw us and they were like, you guys are amazing. Like, I mean, I'm, Taking the words out of their mouth. You are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, they said, we've You're got this. Amazing. They're so cool. Come on through. <laughs> yeah, literally. It was like, we've got this space at the Federation. We want you to incub- we want to incubate you guys and mm. just build your the idea of what you're trying to do. And so from there, the Co-op Foundation found us. Then we then spoke. We were speaking to the, um, the Neighborhood Investment Fund, which is the Manchester City Council, yeah. about what we were doing. And they had a, and they had a pot of money 
to go into um, some, a school in the north of Manchester. And he said, do you want this to do that work? And we said, yes, why not? And so it just happened to be the Co-op Academy North. Nice. And we were like, oh, we got the Co-op Foundation here. We got the Co-op Academy North. We were like, can we get into your school? They're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then we, then we did it. And then we did that. And that was raising the awareness of Emmy, which is what Kondoni suffers from. Yeah, so the kids, um, talk to us a little bit about that experience. The kids, um, what is it they do to help effectively produce that uh, movie? Yeah, um, they go through pre-production, production and post-production. And that's lingo for making a short film from the beginning to the end, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the start, Kandwani, we do like, what do we do? Like We do like um, script writing. Script writing, storyboard, um, uh, coming up with ideas of how the story should run, all those things, and also inviting the people with lived experiences. So in my case, uh, when we're making the short film about raising the awareness of Emmy, it was obviously myself with the lived experience and my other two colleagues who came in to have a word with the young people that was during the pre-production stage. That's other people who suffered. Yeah, other people who suffered from Emmy. So then they got that insight as well. And one of the key things they, they got to learn is the fact that it affects people differently. And people have different perspectives, but there's always the common thread that runs between all the stories. And so from that, from the, the inspiration from that, we then create a fictional storyline to reflect the factual issues. And then, yeah, so we take them through. And yeah, funnily enough, they get very excited because they know they're going to make a short film. And so they get really embedded into the research in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how we, I mean, it's very fascinating because they get very engaged in the topic in itself. But yet at, alongside that, they're also learning their the arts and the skills of, you know, writing, uh, storytelling, you know, and also being very inquisitive of the power of um, informing the communities and people that do not know and how far can it reach. There was one of the students who asked, the work you're doing, is it, how then can you communicate with the parliament now? That's something we're like, oh, whoa, okay, that's a different level of thinking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it gets to unlock a certain mm. aspects of the brain, in a sense, or yeah. the mind. Yeah. You know, to Makes them level. think about things. That's it. That's it. I not take yeah. it for granted. They become more empathetic and just like, okay, I can't judge anybody. And one of the comments they would make was, oh, you don't look ill. And it's like, I know uh, it's an invisible disability kind yeah. of thing. And that was her whole, even for me, it was therapeutic in a sense, sharing my own story mm-hmm. yeah. with them. Yeah. I think it's hidden conditions are so difficult, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) And the miscarriage story is the the same. I think when people talk about it, it's it's surprising how many people will say, yeah, that's happened happened to me. Um, So, uh, and now it's the University of Manchester and Manchester Met. It's their turn. How did that happen? (laughs) Oh, how did... It's like one sees the other one going, hey. Yeah, yeah uh, basically. <laughs> it's just weird like that. And that's the thing yeah. about this journey of, like, I think the journey of being an entrepreneur, it's kind of, you. some of them you stumble, I say you stumble with purpose. So mm. you stumble with purpose mm-hmm. on something. So it's kind of like, you just like, oh, this is, this falls in line with what we're about. Okay, let's, let's, let's engage with it. So obviously we did it in the school, mm-hmm. but then it's like, okay, people say, university students might be interested in this as well. And then we, we we contacted the university to actually look for volunteers. This mm-hmm. was the case. We yeah. were looking for volunteers to help us in the process of delivering the SCP project. Yeah. Um, so we knew that they will get involved in the pre-production. So we talked about the research stages. And because upon completion of the short film, we looked to have like impact reports in place. So we mm-hmm. thought, why not get volunteers in that case? But then when we applied for being a volu- well, having volunteers from the universities, 
They now go back in touch with us saying, your project is amazing. We're looking, I keep using the word amazing, but <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> it's I know, a good but word. It's a good it is amazing. Word. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, we would love to send paid interns to your company to work with you guys in the summer um, on a project like this. And we were like, why not? And what's the project? It's raising the awareness of dementia. Yep. And how has that one come about? It's gone great. Uh, it's now in post-production stage. Yeah. And um, yeah, the students have, they have definitely enjoyed it. I mean, dementia is something that is um, misunderstood most mm. of the time. I think we kind of feel like the people, the general consensus is that dementia means you're for, for, yeah, forgetting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like you forget stuff as you get older. That's mm-hmm. kind of like the consensus. And we wanted to challenge that. Because we believe that, um, I mean, I've seen there's a lot of dementia talk in the news, actually, at the moment. And um, it's kind of challenging that, but we put a spin to the story. So that's something that we want people to look out for. Because when (laughs) we do the screening, we want people to look look out for that. Because we put a spin to it because we are not so much focused on those people who are directly affected with dementia. We're talking about those who are around those who struggle with dementia mm. we think those are the forgotten ones because mm. we feel like it's all about the person but we think the people around them the people that are the carers the mothers the sisters daughters whichever way you look at it they are they are the ones who are affected as well and mm. and i think we need some support for them guys as well so that's what we're challenging so that's how we go about this we always want to put something new to it we always want to put a spin to it even when we talked about emmy we put a spin to the story. There's a lot mm. of clues in like, yeah. we, we, we try to make it still entertaining. We just don't want it to be a case of raising the awareness, but we want it to be a case of, oh, people are engaging with the story and thinking about it in a different way. So that was what kind of instigated why we went for the topic dementia. Mm. And that was how um, it happened, really. And you're going to be screening it somewhere very close to us. Somewhere very, very <laughs> close. Indeed. Where might that be and when's that happening? That will be happening here at what what building is this? Well, this is Archway 3 at the UK Fast so campus. So the Archway 3. <laughs> at UK Fast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Manchester. Yeah. And um, that will be happening on the 28th of... 29th. 29th. 29th of October, I believe. <laughs> Let's just stop that. Mm. That will be happening on the 29th of October. It will. And we'll include the invite to the screening in the show notes for the podcast. So if anybody wants to come along, they're more than welcome to join us. Uh, But if they do miss that screening, you do happen to put your shows um, in other places. Isn't that right? Yes, we do. Um, Where might we find uh, if we wanted to watch Taylor's Shadow or Why Me? Kandwani. I'm very um, excited about (laughs) one of them. (laughs) I will be watching it this weekend. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, That will be YouTube. Basically, um, I'll, I'll where might I find Taylor's Shadow, Kendrani? Oh, Taylor's Shadow. Uh, that'll be <laughs> that'll be on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, probably. But yeah, that'll be Taylor's Shadow on Amazon Prime. Yeah, so you can go watch it there. Like, how did you get your show on Amazon Prime? Like, and that's obviously a potential future revenue for for the business, um, which is brilliant. And I can't wait to go home this weekend and look up on my Amazon Prime and watch this. But um, how did you do it? Well. We made the short film and we're thinking, what would be the life after the screening? Mm. That was the question, we, you know, we asked ourselves. And we thought, well, let's try Amazon Prime. And so we submitted it. Fortunately, well, of course, you have to go through certain criteria, but then fortunately, uh, they got back and accepted it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we found ourselves on Amazon Prime. So that was awesome. So do you just like tweet them and go, hey, I've got this? Well, it wasn't a tweet, but <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a, an application process to go through. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still there, but it should still be there. But yeah, um, at the time. And so that's what we went through. 
the process and once we ticked the criteria they were yeah. looking for and um, yeah, they, they accepted it. And that, yeah. that, that was great news for us, obviously. And being a social enterprise and looking for the sustainability kind of model in that, in, for the future, that was really, yeah. really cool for us. So such a powerful um, short film to have on there. Um, which we can all go and check out on Amazon Prime Absolutely. this weekend. And then yeah. the other one is on YouTube. Yeah, Why Me um, is on YouTube. And uh, you can find it on the Silent Elephant Project channel. Um, yeah, that, that was also obviously amazing because uh, the impact it's had, i.e. the views uh, and the people who are responding through the the questionnaires, there's the interactive questionnaire and the questionnaire in in the description. That's been great feedback. Yeah. Uh, for us as well. And it's just really touched lots of different people from the sufferers, the carers, and people who just didn't know and know somebody who who goes through that. Um, that was really, really impactful for us. So it's been, uh, it sounds like it's just been an incredible journey for some, some incredible lows to some incredible highs. Mm. Um, I mean, personal challenges aside, um, as entrepreneurs, you would have had business challenges um, along the way. Um, because although it sounds like I just applied mm, and we got mm. it, it it hasn't it hasn't always been that way. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced with the business and trying to get it to the stage that it is today? Resources. I think I think as a, as a startup mm. or as a small company, it's just the ability to have resources to execute what you want to execute. Um, we believe in sort of having because obviously you want to be a, we're a company we want to grow mm-hmm. and. And that's been the sort of like the stumbling block is that you want to do so much, but you can't do it because mm. you don't have the amount of resources to go about doing it. And then it's just balancing that tension, that tension of what you want to do and the resources you have and then sort of meeting them in the middle mm-hmm. and then keep on doing that. And that's like the biggest challenge because you know where you want to go. You know the impact you can have. Because you have, you've seen it. You've, you've seen got it. proof of concept. Mm-hmm. You've got proof yeah. of concept, but you only have to work with what is the reality mm-hmm. and just keep on plugging away, I guess. So, yeah. And some of the um, some of the highs then, what and if you look back in terms of Elephant Project and Fresh RB, um, with the lows and the challenges come some of the highs. What mm. would you say if you reflect back then or some of your proudest moments so far? I think the reception and how amazing people find it, especially when you do the screenings, that's mm-hmm. just like, oh, wow, you know, mm-hmm. um, people get it and they see what we're doing. And even the people that go through with the participants, the reflections that they give and the testimonies for us, it's just, that's just the, the impact already. That's, mm. And that's just in the auditorium or wherever we host it. And um, one of the things as well is the fact that we receive uh, a lot of requests for us to go into different schools and, uh, you know, the need is there. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. But like Bob's mentioned, you know, in terms of the resources, like, you know, you're trying to have a balance kind of thing. It's a bit of, okay, then this um, is something we can even drive it even further to make sure we we try and meet the need, yeah. basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully some of the charities that, that you have worked with in the past and may continue to partner and I see expanded 100%, number of charities partnering 100%. with you and the yeah. continuing to develop these amazing sort of um, health conditions and yeah. films. Yeah. Um, but the resources thing, you're trying to sort that out for yourselves yeah. as per <laughs> usual. Yeah. Uh, just crack it, <laughs> cracking on. That's it. Um, so, you know, there's you've got quite an exciting thing sort of in the pipeline at the minute. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit about that and what you're hoping it's going to achieve. Yeah. So we've got a crowdfunding campaign that is running on crowdfunder.co.uk. You can find it. It's called the Silent Elephant Project. 
there's no other project like it because nope. the Silent <laughs> Heaven project is just a crazy name <laughs> do you want to explain the name actually of course of course um, have you heard of the statement the elephant in the room yeah that is basically where it came out from so we were like what is that thing that people don't want to talk about and it's like well like health conditions marginal health conditions which is what we've been affected by but nobody's talking about these things in a creative way and we felt like there was a lot of people sort of like raising awareness of these things but we wanted to get people to engage further in, in into the condition so we thought hmm these things are quite quiet so they're silent and they're elephants mm-hmm. in the corner in the room silent elephant project here we go <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it really. that's how it is that's pretty much how it went yeah. that's how the conversation went I need some Kundalini voice over there <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that even the project name has, yeah. has meaning yeah. um, and so what uh, so what is the the target is what what are you hoping to do with the crowdfunding? so we wanted to, so we want to go into five schools five mm-hmm. schools um, in the start of 2020 so our waves go from January till June mm-hmm. and we go into five schools raising the awareness of marginal health conditions and we're using these schools as ambassadors to champion these things um were you going back to the same school there co-op academy north which is for sure um because they are the ones who have helped us even push the campaign thus far um and obviously we were looking to raise 20 grand to go into these schools um by the moment obviously we've raised just about as the point of this podcast we raised about a thousand six and we're looking to raise more, but mm-hmm. here we are just trying to push things go, going forth and just saying this is what we're trying to achieve because we know the impact it would have when we have a number of schools um, coming together. And we always say this thing. We say we start from it being a mission and it moves into a movement and then becomes a culture. So that's how everything kind of goes in the world we live in. And we believe when you have more people doing something, it becomes a movement. So we're in transition between it being a mission and a movement. And then when people understand the impact it has, not only on so, there's so many stakeholders in this thing that would benefit from it. There's so many beneficiaries as well, from the students to the school, to the charity, to the people suffering with the condition, to the freelancers who get involved in this creative, um, so creative project, to the society in itself, to the research, to the health bodies. It, it, it's endless. It's, pro, it's just so invaluable that if I I put it that way and um, we know the benefit it can have but we know the benefit it can have in numbers as well and so we are in transition between a mission and a movement and that's what um, this crowdfunding campaign would help us do okay quite a few call to actions today I think for uh, for people so um, they can invest in the crowdfunder that's right charities can also invest in the crowdfunder if they want to help guide what those workshops or those videos are going to be yes. about because they yeah. you already give some of them license to use your content is yes, that right we do. yes we yeah. do um at minimum we can all go and watch um why me why on me? youtube yeah. and subscribe. amazon subscribe subscribe, subscribe, subscribe yeah. to subscribe, the silent yeah. project subscribe youtube channel too. yeah let's get your numbers up yes please. and uh for anybody that's a prime tv person can watch the right. taylor shadow um sh- short film on miscarriage yes um, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to both of you. I'm so glad mm. that you came in. We never even touched upon your persistence. In- <laughs> 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 I, was like, is- I don't even know who this guy is. This- <laughs> Mr. Bubs, he's in my LinkedIn, he's in my email, he's in my Twitter. I was like... I just got to get this guy in to see what it is. <laughs> You'd left flyers at reception. You'd been all over the place. And, you know, I'm so glad. I always yeah. take so those meetings when you never know what's going to happen. And 100%. I'm so glad I took that one this no, week. Thank you so much. Uh, we look forward to screening um, the Dementia yes. movie on yes. the 29th of October. Um, yeah. You can also sign up to that either through the show notes or just find it on Eventbrite under yes. the Silent Elephant Project. That's right. um, 
a venue provider, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. Um, you'll find all the details there. Yeah. And um, for those people who may be sufferers um, of those silent um, conditions, hi- hidden conditions, or people who are supporting people with hidden conditions, we hope this podcast will give you a better night's sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Prison like the fear from